The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so happy that you're here. So today I have an episode for you that is all things Ayurveda, and it'll be really, really helpful for you going into this episode if you could pause it and, or you can just take the quiz while listening. You have time. It's a super quick quiz. If you go over to Banyan Botanicals, B-A-N-Y-A-N botanicals.com and take the quiz to find out your dosha because Our guest today is going to tell you all things that will benefit you according to your dosha, and it'll be so much more informative and helpful if you know your dosha. But if you don't have time for that, go ahead ahead with the episode because she will tell you a brief overview of what the doshas are, and you may be able to figure it out through just the information she gives us in this episode. Our guest today is a board-certified internist who has been practicing medicine since 2005. Pursuing further education in Ayurveda and functional medicine, today she runs her private practice in functional Ayurveda in Austin, Texas. She works with the patient's entire mind-body-spirit complex and favors treatment plans that center on hormone balance and intestinal health. Her focus is on patient education and empowerment. She uses the breadth of her knowledge and experience bridging East and West, old and new, across time and space to offer true integrative medical care. She says, intestinal health and hormone balance are my areas of expertise, which I use to bring you closer to your optimal energy, mood, sleep, and shape. When the body is working well, the mind follows and vice versa. I love to delve into the mind-body-spirit relationship and create wellness plans that target total being health. I'm here as a guide and teacher to empower you on your path to returning to balance and vitality. I never stop learning, and I love to share every pearl of wisdom I harvest at each turn of this treasure hunt that is life. 
as we partner on this healing journey together. I hope you rediscover yourself and the wonder to be alive. It's magical. I can't wait. Please help me welcome Dr. Nisha Khanna to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm so excited. I um, I found you, or di- you know, discovered you, or came you came into my awareness at the Magnetic Woman event here in Austin that was held with um, Nadine from Tantric Alchemy, and I learned so much in that one portion where you spoke about health, and so I'm so excited to share all that wisdom today. I'd love for you to tell us your story of how you came to find and become an expert in Ayurveda. Sure. So it's been a lifelong journey. I was exposed to it when I was in my teens and basically was absorbing the wisdom through books and visiting with practitioners. And um, it was interesting because I had a parallel path in being a doctor. And so I was always interested in health, but um, for the longest time, I was in medical school and residency and practicing Western medicine. And there was a big disconnect between what I would use to treat myself and the powders and the herbs and the hot water and all the things that I would do that I had just gathered along the way for my own healing and what I was doing in medicine, which was prescribing 10 medications, you know, to manage people's chronic conditions. And so um, I've really wanted to marry those two disciplines and have a really unified, holistic approach to health that didn't disregard Western medicine, uh, but really used it as a tool for comprehensive healing. And so when I was finished with medical school and had actually had maybe practice medicine for three years, I sort of took a break and I went to New Mexico and took a deep dive into Ayurveda and immersed my you know whole being in it for two years, um, living, breathing, learning it. And, um, and so then I was able to take that wisdom and, um, and blend it into my practice of functional medicine, which is really this beautiful uh, way to approach some of these Ayurvedic principles, but backed up by all the research and science. And so um, I had a lot of fun um, exploring how gut health is so important in both disciplines, functional medicine and Ayurveda. And, um, and it was really exciting to see parallels show up. And so what I do now is essentially use all the tools that I've gathered along the way in my practice. And um, I really have been able to integrate East and West, ancient and, uh, and modern and um, treat patients with a really whole being approach. And I really enjoy sharing that wisdom with people in platforms like this, because I don't think that there's enough people that are really looking at it from both sides of the equation. Either you have people that are very holistic and um, don't uh, pretty much disregard any prescriptions or um, Western approaches, Mm -hmm. um, or it's the other way. And I'm really interested and excited about this new 
transition now where people are integrating more. And so that's what's so exciting for me is to be able to share that integration. Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar with Ayurveda, can you just maybe give a simple explanation of what it is? Yes. So the way I think of it, it think of it is it's using your elemental makeup to understand how you relate to your environment, how you relate to food, how you relate to lifestyle practices. And there's a couple key principles to know. And when you know these, you can pretty much apply it to your whole life and share it with your friends and loved ones, um, which is like increases like and opposites balance. So if you have an aggravation of an element, its opposite is going to balance it. Um, so a quick little example would be, say somebody's anxious and not sleeping. So you look at the qualities of that. The qualities are light, mobile, airy, and these are the qualities of the dosha vata. So to balance it, you need the opposite. So you need grounding, stable, steady, heavy. And so you would use those qualities, um, your knowledge of those qualities to see, okay, what foods are maybe more grounding? What foods are heavier? What lifestyle practices are heavier? So for example, if you're running every day, that's more mobile and light. Maybe you want to do some um some yoga that's uh, very um, rooted in the, the, um, the, not the vinyasa, which would be a bit more flow, but the, um, the practices where you hold poses longer. Mm -hmm. So you can even, you can even look at what type of yoga to do based mm -hmm. on the elements. And so it's an understanding of your elemental makeup and the elemental makeup of pretty much the whole world. Mm -hmm. And, then applying this principle of like increases like and opposites balance to figure out how you want to approach yeah. every aspect of your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. And by elemental makeup, do you mean um, our doshas? Is that what our elemental makeup is? Well, there's five elements. So mm -hmm. ether, air, fire, water, earth. Mm -hmm. And the doshas are a combination of two predominant elements. So air and space equals vata. Earth and water equals kapha, fire and water equals pitta. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it's, so the elemental makeup is more your five elements, but then they combine to create these predominant doshas. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is possible, but could you maybe help those listening determine what doshas they're in by just giving a brief overview of each one? Well, um, there are lots of quizzes online which go into detail. And I think those that's a really great tool. However, it use, needs to be used appropriately. So many people are answering those questions um, in a sort of confused way. And yeah. so the way to do it is to answer the question as what's true for answer the questions as to what's true for you now. Mm -hmm. And then answer it one more time. So go through it a whole nother time as to what was true for you, maybe most of your life or as a child when you were in a state of 
more innate balance because that will give you your Vikruti and your Prakriti. So Prakriti is sort of your innate state and Vikruti is the current imbalance. And so if you don't answer it in this way, then you'll get a very confused picture. But if you know what your current state of imbalance is, then you'll use that to bring yourself back into balance. So say you're vata aggravated, then you'll use the kapha balancing properties to bring yourself back into balance. Okay. So um, so if, if someone were just wanting a quick overview from this episode and not wanting mm-hmm. to um, go necessarily into all the questions, then you can look at your skeletal structure. So um, Usually that's not something that changes, you know, over a lifetime, even though weight can fluctuate. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're bony and thin and kind of long, (laughs) um, those are are qualities of vata. If you're kind of more medium set, then it's pitta. If you're um, kind of rounder, curvier, um, wider set, that's more kapha. So those are big generalizations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you're just looking at somebody and they're, um, and it's not necessarily about weight, but it's more about um, shape and skeletal structure, mm-hmm. then, um, then you can get a quick assessment that way. Mm. And is it also somewhat to do with uh, personalities? Like if someone's a more fiery personality or a more warm personality, I know that at the event, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was Kafa was the more nurturing and mothering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like when you guys gave an overview of those three doshas, I felt like I was very much Pitta and Vata, um, like mm-hmm. a mother of them. But I felt like I didn't, even though I'm a mother, I felt like Kafa was not natural. Like I, I used to carry a lot of guilt around the sentence, but I felt like mothering did not come natural for me. It was something I had to work really hard at. So with that, with all that said, would that mean that, because I know the goal is to have a a good balance of all three. So since I feel dominantly in vitta, uh, vata, pitta, do I need to work on the things that awaken kapha, basically? Well, so these doshas are considered to be psychobiological characterizations so mm-hmm. they they involve your physical body but also mental tendencies even career choices mm-hmm. and so it because that's the psycho aspect of it mm-hmm. um, so psychophysiological psychobiological you can call it either one and the three doshas are more do tend to be more one of the other so you're right where the pitta types they have that fire element is Mm -hmm. it's the only dosha that has the fire element so they are fiery they are Mm -hmm. more goal oriented um and uh you'll see them as typical professions would be entrepreneurs and ceos and um and business women you know and um and then the vata types they have their their have have more air and, and space in their uh, constitution, so they um, they're able to connect to the ether of the of the universe, and so they're um, we think of the ether as kind of where you get ideas from and creativity, and um, 
and also artistic flow. And mm. so they're more of sort of the artist types. And then the the kapha is they're rooted. It's the, the, the heaviest of the elements, the earth and the water. So they're um, they're kind of deeply rooted in um, in in the physicality of connection and sensuality and um and you know from that comes nurturing so the you mentioned something where i just wanted to um to to share a bit more about that you said that the i think you mentioned that the goal is to have a balance of all three Mm -hmm. that's not actually um what the goal is the goal is to become balanced within yourself so when i mentioned that innate constitution that prakriti state the goal of life the where you'll be the happiest and the healthiest is when your vikruti comes back into balance with your prakriti so when your current imbalance comes back into balance with your innate state so for example if you're pitta predominant um, and then you have some vata like you mentioned right so if you had a kapha imbalance, let's give it some numbers. So say you're vata two, pitta three, and kapha one, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> say your kapha went up to three. Mm-hmm. Then that might show up as being overweight, depressed, having low thyroid function, maybe even diabetes, because those, those would be conditions of excess for you. So -hmm. the goal would be to bring your kapha down and bring it back to a one so that you could get rid of those states of excess. Mm -hmm. Now, alternatively, say somebody is vata one, uh, pitta two, kapha three, then they would, and say that's their innate state, but their pitta is elevated. It went up to a three it might show up as things like reflux and ulcers and rashes. These are more pitta imbalance conditions. And so you wouldn't want to give that kapha person more pitta, right? The idea is to bring them back into balance. Um, is that making sense? I know it's getting complicated. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm curious, um, with each dosha, are they all meant to eat, eat, use skincare and exercise according to their dosha? Does each one have a different um, prescription for those three things, basically? There there are prescriptions for each three, you know, down to what time to wake up. And, oh, wow. You, and yeah, it's very detailed. And I, I do have all that information in um, some of the online programs that I share. Mm-hmm. However, what I think is really important is for someone to not get narrowed into what's my constitution and therefore what time do I eat and what kinds of foods do I eat and what kinds of exercise do I do. It's more important from a health perspective to look at what is your current state of imbalance and bring that down. Because again, health is when everything comes back into balance, when your aggravated state comes into your innate state. And so, for example, let's take you. Um, so you mentioned you're um, mostly pitta and then some vata. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of sensuality. Um, so maybe that is some kapha. Um, so I, I'm, 
I, I need to retake the quiz, but yeah, we can say that. <laughs> okay. Well, just for this, the purpose of example, I would say you do have some kapha, you know, maybe if I was just looking at you without doing any other kind of assessment, I would say that you do have probably at least kapha one and a half or two mm-hmm. um, in terms of those proportions of three. And so, um, and that's based on, you know, the, the softness of your features and how big your eyes are and your, the curls to your hair. I'm not sure if that's naturally curly, mm-hmm. but you know, if it is, then those would be more kapha traits. Oh, okay. Breast development. That's another thing. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Um, so what were we saying? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, so we were going to do an example of my doshas according to like what my constitution would be. Okay. Yeah. So is there something you want to share that you're struggling? If not with struggling with, if not, I'll just make something up. Um, my weight fluctuates a lot, but mostly I get very, very bloated, especially around, uh, ovulation and, uh, to where I can like sometimes look three months, three to six months pregnant. I get like extremely bloated. Um, I don't really struggle with acne. I struggle with dry skin. Um, my hair is gets extremely frizzy. I don't know if that is dosha related. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm a tired person, but I am a person that needs a lot of sleep. And I have always dreamt of being the mom that gets up before sunrise, chants at sunrise, and is cooking breakfast before my kids even come downstairs. <laughs> but I'm the mom that like wakes up I, I wake up right when they wake up. Like I get that as much sleep as possible. So I don't know if there's anything to work with there. Okay. Well, let's take the bloating, for example. Okay. So that's more of the vata quality. It's mm. um, air and space in the colon, in the in the intestines. And the seat of vata is in the colon. So every dosha has its home in the GI tract. Mm. And so it is in the small intestine and cough is in the lungs. Um, so I should say in the center of the body, those are in the stomach. So um, each dosha has its primary seat, stomach for kapha, small intestine for pitta, and colon for vata. So if you're having air and space accumulate in the colon, that's the vata place with vata qualities. So it means that at least at that time of the month, you have a vata imbalance. Hmm. So to bring it into balance would be optimal health for you in that time of the month, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's looking at what is the dosha or the qualities of what's going on, what kind of symptoms you're having, and then using its opposite to balance. So for example, if the other qualities of vata, and this is all something that you can look at look up online in a textbook in my course, so it's all outline for you um but say you um so the other qualities of vata are cold so cold dry light rough airy subtle those are the primary qualities of vata so so at that time of the month it would be helpful to have warmer foods so cooked warm soupy to balance out the dry um grounding with you know healthy fats to balance out the light so if you did that say the week before um you you know the couple weeks before that you might experience symptoms so more in the luteal phase Mm -hmm. then you probably wouldn't experience that degree of bloating does that make Mm -hmm. sense yeah 
Hmm. I'll need to get one of your courses so I can like have all this stuff ingrained. Um, so you say that Ayurveda is rooted in self-care. It's impossible to live an Ayurvedic life that does not include daily self-care. Ultimately for you, it's about helping us live a life of ritual and ceremony that celebrates the present moment, embodiment, and our unique purpose. So I'd love to talk about what those Ayurvedic self-care rituals are, maybe what your the ones you use are. Um, I know at the event, I don't know if this would be considered self-care, but I feel like I, I would. Um, I know at the event, you sang a sunset chant, and it was, man, I don't know what the translation was. I, I think you said the translation, but when you sang that, like my entire body felt activated. And I don't know if it was um, the the chant paired with the sunset or if, you know, what the magic of it was or if it was just your voice in the transmission, but my entire body felt um, uh, this activation. And I put in my notes like, right now I'm living with friends and there's four kids in the home because my house had mold. So in January, when I move into my own place again, that's a big thing for me is that me and the kids will chant every sunset. Um, but I, so I don't know if that's one of them that you want to touch on, but yeah, I'd love to hear whatever your self-care or rituals or ceremonial practices are. Yeah, definitely. So that particular practice is called Agnihotra and it's, um, it's a pretty amazing practice ritual for clearing space but mm -hmm. also almost creating an energy vortex um mm -hmm. just around like you yeah. yeah and I think that's probably why you felt that but thanks for sharing that that's that's amazing feedback um so it's a ritual that has to be done at the exact moment of sunrise and sunset and I have an app on my phone that tells me exactly when it is because it changes each day yeah and um, and, and by location as well. So, you know, you're able to see exactly when the sunset and sunrise is. And it's a different chant for the morning and the, the evening. Oh. And um, it just honors the sunrise versus the sunset. Mm. And this is coming from the Vedas. So 4,000 year old ancient Indian texts um, where fire was the one element that can't be adulterated it's the element of transformation so you can muddy water you can muddy air but you can't muddy fire it just takes any impurities and clarifies and transforms them so that's why it's such a clarifying purifying ritual in any space and it's it's got really profound um implications some people use the ash for healing they use it for farming and they see there's there's actually studies coming out now where agriculture is better you can take you know barren land and make it um make it harvestable so it's just it's pretty amazing in terms of what can be done with this but personally i use it for um basic uh, to kind of get into a really centered place um and clear my space because i work from home and so I just want to have that flowing twice a day. And the effects last for 12 hours. It's supposed to clear a two-mile radius around you, so you're doing a service to your neighbors as well. And um, and it it just it makes you feel good, but also the space feel incredible. And so um, 
given I do also work from home, it's um, and patients come over, it's nice to um, have the healing just in the ether as well. Yeah. Well, can you spell it for those listening that I'm sure want to look it up and learn it? Sure. Yeah. Um, it's called Agni Hotra. So Agni is the word for fire. A G N I Hotra H O T R A. Okay. And that's the one for sunset or sunrise? Well, that's the, the practice itself oh, okay. and it includes sunrise and sunset. And so if someone wants to look into that further, um, I believe, um, I actually have friends in Austin that have kind of started their own uh, nonprofit around it. So it's um, agnihotra.org, I believe, Um, but I can get that for you. And they have all the explanations of how to do the chant, where to purchase the kit, that kind of thing. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Are there any other Ayurvedic self-cares that you do? I know um, you on your site, you talk about dry brushing which I've always told myself I'm going to do and I'll buy the brushes and then I still have never done it. So I need to get into that. And then the Kanza wand facial. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if those are two things that you actively use, but maybe you could say a little bit about those or, or any other self-care ritual you want to speak on. Yeah. Well, if you ask an Ayurvedic practitioner what their self-care routine is, it's going to be pretty in-depth because there's so much. Um, so I'm going to tell you everything um, I do on a daily basis and maybe some okay. things I do kind of more weekly. So um, have you heard of the self-oil massage? It's a lymphatic massage. It's called Abhyanga. No. Okay. I mean, I think you're in for a treat if you end up practicing <laughs> some of these things because it's... It's one of the most incredible nourishing rituals that anyone can do um, for self-care. The actual word for oil in Ayurveda means love. So when you apply oil to your body, it's like a self-love practice, literally, Mm -hmm. because the qualities of oil are enveloping and it's almost like hugging, you know, that's the quality snigta of oil. And so, um, so it's, it's like a gentle lymphatic massage where essentially you warm up oil and there's herbalized oils for different doshas and so I keep a baby bottle warmer on my bathroom counter so I have warm oil in a minute and um, you know just kind of pat the floor with old towels and do an oil ritual where it's long strokes on the limbs and circular around the joints and you bring everything to the center so you're doing this detoxifying purifying practice to bring lymph back to its center which rejuvenates the body it's Mm anti-aging it's so it makes your skin so incredibly supple is the center like the womb space the womb space the gi tract so bringing everything to the the heart the gut Mm -hmm. and the the womb okay and so um so yeah, it feels amazing. It makes you feel beautiful because your skin just yeah. is so nourished and it um, drops nervous energy. So um, in Ayurveda, the, there's seven layers of tissue to the skin and the deepest layer is the nervous system. So that oil on the body penetrates to that deepest layer, relaxing the nervous system. So we use it um, in Ayurveda to really balance vata. It helps with insomnia, anxiety. It's just incredible. So that's mm-hmm. one of my daily rituals. Um, if I don't get it in every day, I'll at least do it three or four times a week, um, more so in the winter than the summer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, um, 
So I, I'll often do that in the morning after dry brushing. Mm. Um, and I don't dry brush every day, maybe you know, again, like three or four times a week. Um, it's nice to have the oil on after dry brushing just so yeah. your skin doesn't get irritated. But dry mm -hmm. brushing itself is great for more of the kapha element and kapha aggravation because um, because it helps stimulate. And, and that's, so, it's a, uh, a dry brush that you're doing the same motions as you would the oil? Well, the motions for dry brushing are more brisk and quick um, and, and short, um, mm -hmm. whereas the oil is these long, lengthy movements. So the mm -hmm. oil balances vata and the um, dry brushing balances kapha. Okay. So you can kind of get that. Um, and I do go into a lot of detail. I've got actually videos for each self-care practice that I recommend in a whole self-care rituals course. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be something you want to check out. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll keep going with, with what I do. So I have a, a sauna here. Um, and so I'll do the dry brushing. I'll do the oil mm -hmm. and I'll get in the sauna. Again, not more than three or four times a week because you don't want it to be too dehydrating. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and this is for me, right? Because I'm more kapha. So I have more of that kapha imbalance. So I can tolerate that dry heat. Mm -hmm. Whereas somebody who's more vata aggravated probably shouldn't do that. They should just focus on the oil. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, of course, tongue scraping. That's one of the first things yeah. I do. Um, that stimulates the GI tract. It stimulates digestion for the day. And it's also your daily report card as to how you're you know, detoxing and digesting day yeah. to day. Um, so even emotionally, like when you're more emotional and you're processing more emotions, it shows up on the tongue as more of a coating. And so you get to see, you know, every three days what's happening in the gut and what's happening in terms of your individual transformation mm -hmm. of both food and energy and emotion into consciousness. So um, you use the tongue scraper every morning. Every morning, yeah. I have like multiples, so I never forget it. I have one in my travel bag. I love tongue scraping. Yeah, yeah. Um, it feels so good. I feel like people um, who don't, who do start doing it, they want to share it with their partner because they're like, this This makes my breath better. It's, just, it's everything's better, yeah. you know? Um, so tongue scraping, um, you know, daily elimination is so important. You know, it's probably one of the first things that happens as well, you know, prior to exercise, prior to anything else, you want to be cleansing your body um, before you add anything to it. Because even the oil is something that the body has to absorb and transform. And, um, and so if you're overloaded, you don't actually want to do the oil massage. Oh, so um, sorry, there's all these nuances. I hope it's not too complex. No, but, not at all. Um, so, um, so We've got the fire, um, tongue scraping, um, oil massage after dry brushing, then some sauna. And, um, and then it's actually really great to do some exercise after you've oiled the body. It's almost like, mm -hmm. um, you can get into your exercise deeper. So oh. when I've had a shower and I've, um, padded you know basically left a thin layer of oil on the body and you know just pat dry with a towel it's almost like you've lubricated the yeah. body before exercise so it's kind of like a warm-up in a mm -hmm. in a different sort of way and you can get deeper into exercise and not be as prone to injury if you if you do it this way mm -hmm. so you know how so many people are like 
okay, this is the pre-workout. Okay, this is the pre pre-scalp treatment. This is the pre-facial. You know, I think people are beginning to really tap into these ancient practices and rituals yeah. to gain understanding of you actually have to do a pre-treatment before you do the thing because it makes mm -hmm. it better. So even with the face, I oil the face before I wash it. Oh. You know? So yeah, because then you get a, you leave a thin layer of oil. Oh. Um, so um, I do definitely use on the face. So I have some um, specific kind of beauty oils versus just like what I'd use on the body. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the brands I'm really a fan of right now is Aroma Bliss. It's an Ayurvedic brand wow. and they've got different facial nectars that smell amazing and they're mm -hmm. great for the oil massage and great for your skin too. So, um, so that's aromabliss.com. Um, and then, I, so I do the Kansa wand or a, a, at least pretty much every day. I don't miss it because I've done before and after photos of myself, oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know, before and after. And I'm like, okay, this is always going to happen because yeah. it's such a huge difference. How is it different of, from like a gua sha, gua sha tool? Because I yeah, have I really loves. Like, I really like, sorry. No, no, no. I really like the gua sha tool as well. Um, I, um, and I sometimes alternate between the two, but the, the Kansa wand, I feel gives you, from my, at least initial, my, my personal study of looking at my photos with each tool, um, I get a better result with the Kansa wand. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's a five metal alloy connected to kind of a little, um, handle and you do these um, circular motions across the face on the energy points of the face or marmas and um, and so it's like you're you're activating your um, your lymph and your um, these marma points are energy centers that are the confluence of blood lymph um, nerves and um, and essentially it's, it's allowing you to drain out any stagnation. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, I do have a video demo on how I do it, um, in the, in the rituals course. Um, but it's just, it only takes maybe a minute, but it's really relaxing for your nervous system too. And it's a really great way to begin your morning. Mm -hmm. Um, because not only do you look brighter and less puffy, um, but you feel more relaxed kind of going into your day and yeah. it doesn't take long. So, um, so yeah, I'll oil, um, put the oil on, rub it in with the Kansa wand and then do, a, like a quick rinse with some kind of herbal powder. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and then that just leaves a thin film of oil on the face, which is moisturizing, mm -hmm. um, but not oily. And he said, it doesn't make you shiny. Yeah. And I'm a little so, shiny right now. If you can't tell my, what I have on is rose oil and mm -hmm. my skin, it didn't seem to really absorb it on my body. I typically put coconut oil with some either amber oil or frankincense oil. Cause to add like a, you know, a nice perfume. And my body, again, like soaks it in, but still feels dry after. And then the other thing is like coconut oil can easily stain your clothes. So I haven't found an oil practice or an oil to use in practice that I love yet. Yeah, well, I think 
coconut oil is not great for everyone. It's good for more of the pitta constitution mm -hmm. during the pitta time of year, which is summer. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So in the winter time, using something more like, given say your constitution primary is pitta, um, doing something more like a sesame sunflower combination. Oh. But what you could do is just um, buy an herbalized pitta blend. Um, there's various websites. Aroma Bliss carries that. There's BanyanBotanicals.com carries it, um, where they've herbalized um, pitta-specific herbs into the oil. Mm -hmm. So you're getting the benefits of that balance as well. Um, and then some people do seasonal blends, so you don't even have to think about it. Okay, it's winter time. These are the herbs that are going to balance this season. And so you do that. So um, you can either look at what's going on individually in terms of your individual constitution and imbalance, or you can look at what's going on in the season. And hopefully there's, you know, overlap between the two. Yeah. And, um, and use one of those oils. And I feel like if you were to then shower after and pat it and not rinse it off with soap, but just with water and then pat dry, um, it probably wouldn't stain the clothes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for all of that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think the, so, you know, just to sum it up, there's, um, after the con, so I'm still going on the rituals. Um, I mean, some kind of morning exercise, I'll do hot water with lemon and ginger and a little bit of raw honey. Um, but that's specific for my dosha. It helps me um, detox ama and, and balance kapha. And, um, and then, um, you know, there's, there's usually some kind of meditation practice beyond what I do with the fire. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll do pranayama. Would, have you heard of that? It's um, mm -hmm. yogic breath. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll do, I've been doing 20 minutes of pranayama. It's different sequences for over 15 years. Um, yeah, since med school, essentially. So um, that's always there because in order to be the person I want to be, I have to purify my field and you do that through breath yeah. and, um, intention setting. And, and then I'm really into Joe Dispenza's meditations, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, yeah. so, I'll, so I'll do those. Um, they're long, so I may get them in later in the day or I'll do a shorter version in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that's, those are my, my rituals. And I take my dog out for nature walks pretty much every day, which, mm. which is about an hour. So, you know, I think creating a life where you have self-care, connection with spirit, and um, time in nature, and also time for learning and growth, you know, because mm. I'll do like, listen to um, educational talks or podcasts or things like that um, mm. during the, most of those walks, um, but also time for play is yeah. sort of the best ritual that you can have and to create if you can't do it in every day then at least over a week making sure that you're hitting those um those um different categories yeah hmm. and with the the face and skin care i'm super intrigued by the ayurvedic eyeliner um i, I think you pronounce it kajal Kajal, yeah. Okay. Um, you say it's medicine and beauty in one. So I'm curious, is that something we make ourselves or is that something that we order? What are the benefits? Um, yeah, is that, I'm guessing that's what you wear. I do. I wear, I wear it smudges ease, more easily than 
other eye makeup, but I feel like it's worth it just in terms of um, not putting something negative on your face, but also <laughs> has benefits for healing. So, um, so Kajal is something you can buy. Um, it's probably going to be imported from India. There's different versions that I think um, some more mainstream companies in America have adopted like Maybelline. Um, but those aren't the authentic version. You want to get an Ayurvedic blend, which is mm -hmm. primarily castor oil and coal. And then they put some other herbs into there that are supportive for the eye. And mm -hmm. it, it's a very dark um, black. And essentially I'll take an eye makeup brush and brush it on. Um, so it's, it's, that creates um, a bit more um, steadiness so it doesn't move all around your face. Um, but um, I, I do go into that well, that ritual as well in the, the beauty course. Yeah. I wish they had brown because I feel like black eyeliner on me, it, for some reason with my skin tone or my eyes, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, to me, it looks like I have a lot of makeup on. So I always use like a really light brown. Um, mm. I, I wish they had brown, but I'm super intrigued by it still. Well, it's um, cold. So yeah. it's, um, I think the they may carry a brown, but it's not the original recipe so yeah. you just have to look at the ingredients make sure there's no chemicals in there because yeah. it shouldn't have more than I would say five ingredients and they okay. should be all things that you can recognize mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like if you um if you you can lighten how much you put on just based on how you use the brush yeah awesome and you mentioned Marna's and how we can directly in so from what I've read on your site through the Marnas, we can directly impact neurochemistry by applying pressure to those. And you mentioned the ones on the face. Um, can you, is that something like we practice or that's something that we would get done through a specialist or can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, so I'll spell it for you. It's Marma, so M-A-R-M-A. -A. And um, these are, yeah, exactly right. They're energy points that are mapped out over the whole body and they do map to a lot of acupuncture points so you get to see that marriage of disciplines mm -hmm. across um, countries and um, the way I practice it is I offer it as a treatment in my practice mm -hmm. and um, essentially many of them are located on the head um, uh, you know, just given the importance of the head, but yeah. they're really throughout the whole body. And you can do them on your own, but it's, it definitely feels better to have someone do it for you mm -hmm. and essentially just be in full receiving mode. Yeah. And so um, there are a limited number of people that practice it. I think it's becoming more widely um, known, mm -hmm. uh, but even still, it's very hidden I don't think there's I haven't come across anyone else in Austin that practices no, the same. there it. may be with all the migration of people moving here there may be but I, yeah. I don't think anyone I know at least offers it um, I learned it from Dr. Ladd in New Mexico and he he has courses and um, workshops where people can learn it as well mm -hmm. but it's a it's it's an it's energy work on these sites so you want to really feel good about who you go to because um, essentially they're, they're serving as a channel of that energy through, mm -hmm. you know, through them to you. And so mm -hmm. if there's any blocks or things that they're not, you don't feel 
entirely comfortable around them, then you're going to get that transmission. And it's a very sensitive place to be getting transmission at these sites. So, um, so in essence, these energy centers are again, the confluence of nerves, arteries, veins, um, and lymph. And in Ayurveda, the there's 13 major channels, essentially. So there's a channel for food, there's a channel for air, for prana, there's a channel for the mind as well. And each channel has an opening, a pathway, and an exit. So the channel of the mind is rooted in the heart and the senses, and it's mapped, its pathway is the whole body, and its exit points are the marmas. So Mm -hmm. you can definitely... Um, affect the mind and neurochemistry through these points. Um, And there are also areas of confluence, so also areas of stagnation. So if there's physical toxicity, mental, emotional toxicity, and toxicity in Ayurveda is anything that's not processed. So anything that hasn't been processed becomes this sludge that sits at these centers and sort of just swirls around there and and when you press on it, you allow that um, that toxic toxicity to kind of release. And so, oftentimes, in um, in some client visits, I'll I'll smell something kind of come up into oh, wow. the environment, and um, and it's it's that kind of it's not a pleasant smell, and it's yeah. the, the the it's it's not from the bells. It's it's from yeah. like from I imagine that if they have like candida, you're smelling like yeast or something. It's not so specific. It's um, because even an emotion can have a smell, you know? And so um, it could be more like sour. Um, Say there's more pitta emotions. And so, um, you know, it's kind of the sky's the limit as to what people can experience during these sessions. I think paired with the energy work and some sound work after, um, I've had people go from everything from just feeling peaceful embodied and blissful to connecting with past lives and being Mm -hmm. in other dimensions and um, having all kinds of experiences Mm -hmm. so it's it's really powerful Um, it's a practice that in the ancient um, Ayurvedic Vedic texts was done to help a body a person's body transition from this world to the next world Mm -hmm. um you know, at, at a funeral. So, um, and they would do it with, um, almost like a voodoo doll of rice and, um, Mm. touch these points. And so the, there's a lot of depth to a practice like this in terms of connecting the individual consciousness with universal consciousness. So I see it as a funeral, rite, Um, you know, in some sense, to uh, it, the reason why it exists like that in ancient practice was because it was okay now this individual soul is going to merge with the divine and, and the universal consciousness and so when we do it in a session it's a an opportunity for that individual spirit to really connect with all that is and so I think that's why it has the the potency that it does yeah is it at all linked or connected to um when people do tapping, they tap uh, like the emotional freedom technique. Um, is that also the same points or is that different? There's a lot of similarity. So acupuncture, tapping, marma, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarity in terms of where people are 
depressing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's very variation in each practice with the Marna, the points are held for 90 seconds mm-hmm. to help with that release. And again, there's that energy transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, each one is a bit different, but I feel like there's the reason why there's so much similarity is yeah. because there's so much truth in each yeah. one. Yeah. Ah, that sounds amazing. I, I definitely want to try Marma. I've, I'm getting trained in tapping. So oh. I love, yeah. So I'd love to experience that and um, maybe even pair the two in the future. Um, so I want to try to cover the gut really quick. Um, I know that's a really big topic though, um, but maybe we could start with, cause I know you say that the most profound foundational healing tool in your functional medicine practice is the gut cleanse guide that you offer. Um, but maybe you can tell us a couple of the ways that the gut becomes imbalanced. Yeah. So I think most people walking around have an imbalanced gut because everybody's been exposed to some of these things, whether it's antibiotics, birth control pills, environmental toxins, food sensitivities, um, intestinal overgrowth. Um, so, so yeah, if you've had one antibiotic, you could probably be likely a good candidate to do a reset. Um, and you don't have to have gut symptoms to need a reset either. So you don't have to be having bloating or discomfort. You could have other things. You could have aches and pains. You could have poor sleep. You could have low energy, you know, suboptimal mood. Any of those things could be, or even skin conditions. So any of these things could be hinting to a need to do a gut reset. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's something that I feel People could even do yearly depending on their needs. But I would say at least once every five years, somebody should go through a protocol to really reset the gut. And um, and so what's involved in that is essentially minimizing foods that we know to be inflammatory and also um, feed overgrowth of organisms. So things like simple, um, simple sugars and um many carbohydrates can break down to sugar, essentially. Um, And then the key inflammatory foods um, are gluten, dairy, soy, peanuts, coffee, and artificial sweeteners, and and sometimes eggs. And so essentially, uh, a client would minimize these or eliminate them entirely for a month while they're on a protocol to basically clear the slate and um, and then could reintroduce them one at a time to see if they are aggravating factors for their condition and um, and then also minimizing carbohydrates. And it doesn't mean that this is the diet to follow, that it's great for everybody long term. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. But it, in a cleanse setting, it's appropriate. And um, and then at the same time, um, using some kind of agent to reduce overgrowth of organisms, which contribute to an imbalanced gut and leaky gut and, and then repopulating with, um, with the organisms that you do want to foster, whether that's um, feeding them or actually giving your body back them for a temporary period of time, like probiotics. So, um, so I call it the weed seed feed approach from functional medicine and, um, and, essentially so many people have 
imbalances in the gut that when they do a restoration program like this, and it only takes a month, um, pretty much 90% of what they're working with or suffering um, with just comes back into alignment. And so it really is um, one of the most profound healing tools in my practice and pretty much all my patients go through it at, at the onset. Mm-hmm. Um, but not every, not, not everybody needs it, you know? And so it's, um, it is something that I'll direct on the first visit if needed. Um, but, um, I would say on average, if somebody's looking for something to do to optimize their health and, um, they don't have individual guidance as to do this now or do this later, it probably would be beneficial. Mm. And I know that that's a cleanse. So I'm not sure if it's the same as detoxing, but I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, like taking a binder before we sweat or doing things like coffee enemas or, uh, you know, all of those other forms of detox. I know I take um, glutathione in the morning, which I I think is considered somewhat of a, a detox supplement. Um, yeah, I'm curious your thoughts on the detox part. Yeah. So, um, so all of what you mentioned, um, binders, coffee enemas, glutathione, um, they're all supportive for detox, um, and can be done more frequently, you know, every few uh, days or if not daily for say the glutathione. Um, however, with, Um, I think it's important to do daily practices for detox as well as potentially weekly as potentially, you know, um, yearly. And so the, the gut reset is more something you would do no more than once a year. Um, and it's paired, it's, it's goal is to get you to a point of health that you, uh, just need maintenance, you know, whereas, um, it, I think of things like coffee enemas as more um, not so much maintenance. Depend, it really depends on what you're working with. So if you have a lot of pitta conditions that you're working with, then that could be supportive. Um, but um, in someone who has a vata imbalance, enemas could be actually aggravating their symptoms mm-hmm. because it's too clarifying. Mm-hmm. And their air and space, they're not holding on to many nutrients, so it's more depleting. Mm-hmm. Um, so something like glutathione is probably good for everybody because we're all being exposed to environmental toxins. So I think someone could do that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, binders, as long as they're away from food, um, mm-hmm. could be done you know, with saunas or without um, you know, every few days. Yeah. Uh, but if you're actually working on heavy metal detox, things like that, you might want to do them every day for a period of time. So yeah. it really depends on one, what you're going through, but also looking at cleansing um, as something that you have some daily rituals and then also as, as maintenance and then things that you do that are kind of more leveraged that get you into a better state of health so that you need less on a daily base on yeah. a daily basis. Yeah, I try to, you said yearly, I try to every January do some sort of parasite cleanse. Um, I haven't found one that I love, uh, but Casa de Luz has, um, uh, here in Austin has the third eye, um, third eye, the name just slipped to my mind for some reason. The meditation lounge? Third eye meditation lounge, yes. They have of parasite um cleanse that they sell there i think i'm going to try that in january because that is something i feel like 
yearly just for um, a candy to cleanse and to, you know, apparently just walking barefoot, which is great for us, can be easily a way to pick up parasites. And so, and then, you know, traveling and things like that. So that's something that I try to do every January. Um, mm. Well, the the gut reset that I offer has, it works on candida, parasites, bacterial oh. overgrowth, like sort of all the bugs, you know, oh, okay. um, that, that, that could be overgrown. So that might be something you throw into the mix yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, I think I'll do that because, instead. Because I have... Um, really amazing I'm, I love to cook as you know from the workshop right oh, wow. so um so I have some of my favorite recipes that are also supportive for cleansing in there mm. so it's not like you're dieting and um you're eating good home-cooked food and it's easy to prepare most of it um so you could you know your whole family could do it too if you'd like yeah yeah that sounds like a a, a more fun <laughs> thing to do so maybe I'll look into that for January as well um, so you, you brought up the event and you made some amazing, amazing concoctions there. And there were a couple of things that I wanted to brush on real quickly as we close out. Uh, there was a term that you used called root to rise. And I didn't know, um, to me, it means, um, being grounded. Like, um, you know, you picture the tree and the roots going down and that's how high the tree can go up. But I don't know if you want to say your definition of root, of the term root to rise. And then the other term that you said, or the other thing that you said was sleep is a reflection of our nervous system. And I think that's huge. So if maybe if you can just say a little bit on each of those. Yeah. So at the Magnetic Woman event, um, we were talking about what is magnetism and how do we both emanate magnetism and, and also bring and attract in uh, what we, what we need and what we'd like and desire. And, and so the way I see it is it is through that pitta energy. It's through the fire that we're able to emanate and radiate um, our energy, but also kind of bring things into our field. And, Mm -hmm. And so when we are rooted, we are balanced in our kapha. We're, we're connected to the earth. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not sluggish, though. We're not just lazy and sitting around, right? It, we're rooted um, mm-hmm. because we are also rising. We are connected to the ether as well. And so it's in the container of being connected to the earth, being grounded, but also uplifted that we're able to emanate through our kind of the middle sphere of existence and, um, and, and really radiate and magnetize. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see root to rise. I love that. And the sleep is a reflection of our nervous system. When my kids aren't home, when they're staying the night at their dad's, I sleep amazing. So I feel like I I'm good on the sleep, but of course, you know, yesterday my daughter woke me up at 4:45 in the morning. So when they're home, my sleep is not it's not the best. But um maybe you can give some examples of of what that how that plays out. Yeah, so um in Ayurveda as we talked about in the workshop, we've got these seven major tissues and um the nervous system is the sixth one, the reproductive tissue being the seventh. And so um, sleep is a function of a healthy nervous system, Um, a circadian cycle where you wake up 
and feel energized and feel tired for bed and then have a deep restorative sleep, it, it just equates to your nervous system functioning. So anything that aggravates, aggravates the nervous system, whether that's um, having to multitask more when you have your kids or whether it's, um, you know, ruminating about something, um, anything that aggravates your nervous system is also going to affect sleep. Mm-hmm. Outside of you know interruptions, you know you can't um, you can't help that. But um, but yeah, I mean people get more they get deeper restorative sleep when they're overall more grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of the things that aggravate Vata, whether it's being on um, devices and phones and connected to the Ethernet, the, the mm-hmm. Ether, you know, mm-hmm. versus like human connection conversations. Um, you know, eating on the go, skipping meals, those kinds of things, like those all aggravate Vata. So they aggravate the nervous system and they are going to affect sleep. Yeah. Mm, Thank you. So um, the last thing I wanted to bring up from the event is, and I'm not sure if this was an Ayurvedic practice or if we were just doing some Tantra um, work, but we did, and I know, I think we called it Tantric eating, um, where you had made these amazing uh, cacao covered dates and you said that um, I know you said dates are good for the yoni and we ate we took our time eating them maybe like 10 minutes to eat this little uh, date sized treat <laughs> it, was ama- it was it was so so good I know you filled it with al- like some nut butter and we really took in the time to like taste each flavor and to smell it and I know for me you know about five minutes in because you know we had our eyes closed and we were looking at we were being very sensual (laughs) and five minutes in I felt like I had a full body like energy orgasm um maybe it was because partly because there was 30 other women in the room and I was picking up on all of our energy maybe it's uh you know because I was having this love affair with your decadent decadent dessert but um I know you talked about intuitively eating and when we're balanced, we can ask our body what it wants. So um, there were a couple of things around eating, but I didn't know if you wanted to add on anything there about the um, slowing down when we eat mainly and uh, uh, adding some sensuality to it. Yeah, definitely. I Coming from Ayurveda, you know, food should be satisfying to look at to smell, <laughs> to um, different, all the six tastes, different textures, you know, and I think um, when we eat that way, we feel satisfaction. And, you know, food is for nourishment, but it's also for satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, you know, slowing down to the degree in terms of how we prepare food, um, how we sit with it, um, the intentions we have around eating, blessing the food, um, but also, accounting for what is going to be really satisfying for me because um when we're satisfied we don't need as much and we don't we're not looking for something else after you know many times we'll eat a meal um and be talking to somebody or not engaged in the food experience itself and and then like still hungry almost like okay, I need another one, or I need dessert or something like that. Like what, what's going to be my fix for satisfaction, because we're not satisfied with the food ourselves. And so 
I think taking into account the slowing down of both how we create the food and then how we eat it and accounting for what's going to be the most um, pleasurable, satisfying experience. And it doesn't have to be decadence. Um, I think we, you know, dumb ourselves down when we think that we're only satisfied with decadence. We're satisfied with colors. We're satisfied with textures, with different tastes. You know, in Ayurveda, there's six tastes and every meal should really have a little bit of each. So, um, so when we eat that way, then we feel nourished on multiple levels. And I think um, we're eating for nourishment of both our physical body, but also our energetic body and spiritual mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And we need that nourishment. And, um, and if it's going to come through food, great, but it can also come through all, all types of other avenues. And I feel like, um, because food is so central to our culture and it's a necessity, we, we could place some more emphasis there and then maybe not feel depleted in other areas. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's been a big, um, a big shift for me. Uh, you know, growing up, we never even ate at the table, we just ate in front of the TV. And it was never really nourishing because we, um, you know, we were living off of craft mac and cheese and things like that at the time. And um, now it's so important to me that we're all at the table, we're eating slow, you know, devices are off, and it's a time of connection. And, and, um, especially with kids, you have to like really tell them to slow it down, you know, but um, just becoming a mother and, and wanting that for them was because I remember in my twenties, I typically was eating in front of my laptop while I was working. So it's been a big shift and, and it feels very rich, like a ritual in, in, in my family. So um, yeah. And I was so thankful to experience that because it's become one of my daily practices is to eat a piece of chocolate in that sensual slow way. And to, oh. when you do, you really just need one small piece, like you said. So, um, yeah. so there's a few short questions. I like to ask everyone who comes on the show. It's a little lightning round, uh, one sentence answers. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Okay. Hug my younger self. Um, I would say you don't need to try so hard. <laughs> you you can you can just um, it's all coming and it all is already inside and um, anything that you're seeking you don't actually need. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> if you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Well. I have two answers. <laughs> one, one that I th- thought I would say hands down to everyone is something I read maybe six six years ago. It's um, called Journey of Souls. Have you heard of that one? No. It's by Michael Newton, and it's an account of um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist um, taking people back into regression therapy, yeah. and they connect to a soul world. And so I just feel like if people had a spiritual context for their physical life mm-hmm. um, and they didn't see themselves as disconnected in, in terms of they just, I, just this lifetime, they, um, they, it would just help, and, you know, put so much into perspective. Yeah. But I would say the more recent edition that I'm listening to right now is so good. I feel like every woman should read it is, um, have you heard of In the Flow? By Alyssa Vitti. Yeah. Yeah. I've interviewed her and I did the flow method for like 
maybe three years. Um, oh. I still work out according to the flow method. I don't eat for it anymore because I wasn't, I was enjoying it, the variety, but um, I wasn't seeing a huge benefit from the flow diet, but the flow, like where you, she teaches that like doing cardio during your luteal actually like causes fat storage instead of, um, you know, uh, what we usually do cardio for. So, uh, so in my luteal, I only will do weights or, um, and then, you know, closer to my bleed, I'll only do yoga. So I've really, um, enjoyed doing that also because I don't get tired of my workout because by the time I'm like over it, I'm on to the next <laughs> type. Yeah. So. I just feel like there's a lot of wisdom in that, mm-hmm. um, in that protocol and so many women are not aware of it yeah. and I um even if you didn't do everything like I I haven't personally implemented it to know if it's true for me um but just from Ayurveda and uh what I know about supporting the menstrual cycle there's a lot of alignment already yeah. and um and looking at it more in terms of um, a feminine clock versus a circadian ma- masculine oh, yeah, that clock. I think huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I think there's a lot of wisdom there. Uh, I feel like if, if, a, if young women could be exposed to that type of knowledge sooner, it would be so yeah. helpful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm, when my daughter starts her bleed, I'm going to have a red party for her and make sure that it's, there's no shame around it because for me, when I started it at, I think 11, you know, I was so, my, my period was so heavy, but I was always had so much anxiety to go to school because I knew I was going to bleed on the chair and mm-hmm. my cramps were so bad. You know, it was all, it was all because my diet wasn't healthy at that age and neither was my emotional state, but there was just so much shame around it. And, um, I dreaded it. And now I have such a wonderful relationship with my bleed. I look forward to it every month. I don't cramp. I'm not too heavy. And I use my blood for my plants. And um, I I use it for painting on my buffalo drum. I use it on my face for a facial. I do so many different things with it where um, I treat it as it's sacred. not And also as a reminder of it's a time of release, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love I love thinking about the bleed as a time to really connect with your intuition. Yeah. Um, I, I know that my intuition heightens like skyrockets during that time. And I just know. And, um, and I feel like more women connecting to that time of the month as a time to really get, um, downloads per se you know yeah. um, mm-hmm. and to influence how they want to lead their life but I also see it as um, something I've heard before but also believe is that women being disconnected from their bleed is why there is bloodshed in our society because oh. women not really relying on their intuition to mm-hmm. be leaders is um, it, to lead the the culture and the society through love and compassion and um, and through their innate wisdom. That disconnection from the bleed is the disconnection from the intuition, which is the guiding force yeah. for society. Mm-hmm. Mm, so good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's. Um, I'm trying to think of a woman who run with the wolves talk about that as well, how our intuition is heightened during our bleed. And I know something that I've noticed is 
if during my bleed, I limit, like I say, okay, during this time, I'm all, I'm, I'm focused on releasing and self-care. So I abstain from all social media and TV. It's a night and day difference between my, when I don't do that, I still, my intuition's on and I get some downloads, but when I abstain from all of that stuff and really tune in, it's a, it's truly a night and day difference on, on the type of downloads I receive and the type of, um, access I feel I have to the spirit world during that time. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. The last question for the lightning round is if you could whisper one phrase, to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Whisper a phrase. Um, everything is within you. Mm, thank you. Before I let you go, where can people find you and connect to you and find your courses and your work? Yeah, so um, everything's housed on my website in terms of courses. It's just nishaikanamd.com. And, um, you know, I'd love to work with you if you'd feel like it, you know, in more of a healing journey format. But um, if not, if that's not accessible, then um, I've got my gut course. I've got an Ayurvedic foundations course with a cleanse and a self-care and beauty rituals course. Um, and even recipes, if you just want to get recipes, I've got gut reset recipes. Um, so um, all of those are on my website under healing courses. And then one of the main avenues that I connect and educate um, on is on Instagram. So just Nisha Khanna MD. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the main things. You could sign up for my newsletter. I don't write very frequently, but when I do, I might start getting back into it. You know, there's plenty of blogs already on there. Um, so yeah, those are the ways to connect to me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. Um, we, had, <laughs> we covered a lot. We could now. go on talking for a lot longer too. Yeah, we covered so much. So thank you for taking the time and just for um, your all of the work that you've done and uh, you know just being able to go to that event opened me up to so much. So thank you for being here today and sharing it with the listeners. Yeah. Well, I'd love to have you come over for a Marma session or something. So just let me know. That'd be amazing. Thank you. All right, you guys, hopefully this didn't feel too overwhelming for you because I know it was a lot of Ayurvedic information. I loved hearing her self care rituals and practices. I know it seems like, ooh, doing that every day, I don't have the time. But honestly, um, I feel like just squeezing in 20 minutes of self-care a day is life-changing. So I hope that inspired you to do that a little bit. And I want to thank our affiliates, the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. I love everything that I've used from there. And I, you know, when you go to like your favorite restaurant and you're like, you can't, you can't, there's nothing you can order that you won't like. That's how I feel at dameproducts.com. It's all amazing. Guaranteed pleasure. I guarantee you pleasure from their items. And I also like to pair their items with my pleasure wand and my yoni egg from wands, W-A-A-N-D-S.com code jade for a discount there as well all things cbd 
at directhemp.com, code JADE for a discount there. And then higher dose infrared products, code JADE75 for $75 off. I love, I love, love, love my bioenergy mat. It's my favorite of their products, but I love all of their products. I use their bioenergy mat daily. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.